This episode of the Rappaport Diamond Podcast was recorded as part of Rappaport's recovery webinar series. And now, Rappaport Senior Analyst, Avi Kravitz. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the to Rappaport's uh, recovery uh, webinar series. It's our fourth installment, and, and we're so um, lucky to have Ira Thomas with us, who is the CEO of Lucara Diamond Corporation. Um, it's a mining company based in Canada, but with operations in, uh, in Botswana. Um, welcome to Ira, and thanks so much for joining us. Well, thank you very much. It's my pleasure to be here with uh, you all today. And, uh, and and given the hour as well, I know it's it's very early uh, early in, in Canada where you are, so uh, it's appreciated. Um, how, how things um, on your side of the world? It's uh, in the in this whole lockdown situation, and uh, where are you guys at? Well, you know, we're kind of all scattered across the globe right now. We've got um, part of our team in Ontario, part of our team in Nova Scotia, part of our team in London. I'm on the West Coast in Vancouver, and um, and of course, we've got the bulk of our team in Botswana. So we are getting very good at navigating time zones. And, um, you know, for us here in British Columbia, it's actually been um, a pretty good place to be hanging out through COVID. We certainly have not been as hard hit as other parts of the world. And, you know, we're starting to see things open up again now. So that's encouraging. That's great. Um, I um, My impression is that it's a, it's a good place to hang out um, at, uh, at the best of times. <laughs> so um, all the more so, um, so now. But, um, you know, it's, be, it's been such a, a crazy period um you know it's it's now the first half of the year that's almost up and um and so you know when this uh when this uh, virus um started to spread and started to affect the the industry it was kind of an inopportune time um can you can you give us an, an update on how it initially affected um lucara's operations you you have the Karo, uh, karoe mine in in botswana which is an important mine um, but other operations um, in your sales operations, etc. How has it affected um, your operations, and, and where are you at at the moment? Yeah, listen, um, you're right. It was uh, an unfortunate uh, time. I mean, there's no good time for something like COVID. But you know, we really felt that um, the you know the market had shown some good strong signs in the fourth quarter of 2019. We saw some you know stabilization, and we were feeling quite optimistic about 2020. Uh, that obviously changed uh, pretty early on in, in the year. And, you know, for Lucara, we are quite fortunate in, in one sense, and that is, you know, we're a very small producer. We're a high margin, high value producer, but, you, you know, we produce 400,000 carrots uh, a year, and we basically sell those carrots uh, at, in quarterly tenders and through uh, Clara our digital web-based um, sales platform. So, you know, what we saw since the beginning of the year is we continued to mine, um, you know, being a Botswana diamond mining company, we were declared an essential service by the government of Botswana. So that meant that our mine has been able to operate through this period. Uh, so that's been that's been really great. We've obviously had to put in a number of new protocols with respect to social distancing and hygiene, and uh, we're operating under those. But um, you know, we've got about a third of our workforce actually working from home. We've implemented staggered shifts, and through all of that, we've been able to more or less meet our our production outlook for 2020. Uh, the other thing the government's done that's been really helpful is they've allowed us to hold sales outside of Botswana. So we've actually been able to export our diamonds to Antwerp, and that has given us, you know, good flexibility and optionality. We did complete our first quarterly tender of the year in early March, just before the COVID crisis really took hold. Uh, so that was another, you know, fortunate uh, development for Lucara. We felt, um, you know, pretty comfortable with the results of that sale. Um, you know, certainly prices were off, but, but not off, you know, dramatically. Um, and then we made a decision really to delay our second quarter, uh, quarterly sale. Uh, originally, we planned to do that in May, um, but we are now actually um, in the process of, of holding our second tender of the year, and that will close later this week. 
Ah, so it's it's going on at the moment, and um, that, that's yes. very interesting. Okay, so yeah. we'll we'll get we'll get back to that because I do want to sure. talk to you about um about the the state of demand, and you might have some insight from from your sale this um this week. But um I I, I would like to deal with the the COVID situation um first, in that sure. um you know you're you're uh, firstly the, the, it seems there's a very big difference between um between the major producers who who would have um, had to scale back um, production and the and the and the sort of mid-tier and smaller producers some who um, had to close their minds and be it temporarily and others like yourself who are able to 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 continue to operate um so so it's, it seems that you're in a in a fortunate um, position in in that sense but how has it affected your your day-to-day -day operations? You know, you, and and your interaction with your workers. Um, you know, you're working um, re very remote now, um, from the from your mining staff in in uh, in Botswana. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it certainly has changed things. Um, but in 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 some ways, it's actually been a really interesting exercise because, of course. You know, we um, and, you know, the leadership team at Lucara would be traveling through to Botswana very frequently. In, in some cases, you know, some members of our team would be there once a month. Um, I would be there at least once a quarter. And obviously we're unable to do that. But instead, you know, we're doing a lot of meetings through Teams and Zoom and, and different applications. Um, and that's been a way to kind of connect through to the workforce. Um, and we've been doing them frequently. I think the most important thing is to, to really stay plugged in and make sure that the communication lines are open. I think the toughest piece through all of this for our work is, is really been around, you know, the, the psychology of, of working through COVID and, and staying safe and, and you know, uh, keeping your family safe. So we've been very focused on, on that aspect. You know, we've got um, a full-time psychologist working with our people on the ground and, and that's been really helpful and people have taken advantage of that that opportunity and and then we just have you know very frequent touch points where we're really trying to engage with different segments of the workforce regularly and i have to say i'm incredibly proud at how our our you know our employees have stepped up and and really um taken this on not only you know in what they're doing in the mine but in um, in all aspects of, of life in Botswana. We're doing an awful lot within our communities of interest. Uh, we're involved in, in a number of initiatives related to COVID in the community of Latokani. Um, so we're, everyone's really banded together and, and uh, it, it's certainly um, been great to see. Mm. It's, it's very interesting um, that, that you, that what you, you mentioned that you have a psychologist on the, you know that you're working with. Um, I would imagine in Botswana, um, particularly that um, that is is helping people through this uh, through this crisis. And because it has it has kind of um, it's certainly taken us out of our comfort zone um, from a professional um, you know po point of view. Um, you know, just speaking personally, I, I wasn't used to working from home. I would go to the office. I would um, interact with people. Um, you know, on a, on a professional level, so so it has taken an adjustment, and I, I think on a, on the mining level, um, it would it would it would disrupt their normal routine, um, for for lack of a better a better way to describe it, um, you know, what 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 how, how do you enforce social distancing, um, in a mine, um, or is yeah. it or is it naturally a sparse sort of um activity? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And some aspects of our mining operation are, are naturally social distance, for example, working in the in the pit in the mine itself and, you know, driving around in big trucks. Uh, you know, the, those are those are easier um, situations to manage where it gets trickier is is actually in our plant and in the mill and in the diamond recovery sections. And so we've had to really think through those protocols um carefully and you know we had um we put a lot of effort at the very beginning of all of this to um to, to really plan and and schedule so now we're using staggered shifts um you know we've changed our approach on on security and we've got a lot of you know remote monitoring going on there as opposed to um you know having having physical presence and people 
So we've, we've rethought a number of things and, and actually it's been a great learning for us. In some ways we've found that we've been able to create real efficiencies um, and, and those are opportunities for us going forward. So um, it, it's, it's been a big learning, but overall, uh, I think it's going reasonably well. It's going very well, actually. And I, and I think, you know, as a, as a mining company, you know, we've been extremely focused on safety at, at Kuroi. Um, so the culture is already there. I mean, we went two years without a lost time incident at our mine site. So we do have a very disciplined um, kind of culture uh, that is very focused on, on health and safety. And that helps, I think, when you're introducing new protocols under COVID, uh, because people are already used to, to working in an environment with, with, with structure. There is a very strong sense of community, um, you know, in, in those uh, sort of mining communities, there generally is. Um, and so, uh, so they would naturally look to um, to Lucara to, to to give to provide some support um, within the, the broader community that's that's affecting the miners. So how, how have you approached that? Um, you know, certainly from a, I, I think the, this these sort of programs um, consumers are taking note of. Um, you know, in, in terms of what corporations are are doing to to help com communities to to um, you know on an environmental level on various levels. So. Yes. Um, so, so what what have you, what has Lucara brought to the table? Yeah, mo most definitely. I mean, that's a key focus area. Uh, we have um, a kind of a, a very strong focus on environment, uh, our social goals, as well as governance. Um, we are a member of UN Global Compact. We report under ten uh, uh, ten SDGs and we put out a sustainability report. Um, but I think that, you know, the key thing for Lucara is that um, in our approach to, to kind of community engagement is, is to actually get into those communities and sit down and listen to their needs and, and wants. And I think that's been really important in how we've developed our programs. Um, I think often, uh, you know, whether it be shareholders or consumers sort of think about sustainability and the work that you do around that is, is being more difficult if you're a small company and that you know a lot of it is about writing checks and what what you know we've learned is that it, it's really not about writing checks it's about uh, identifying opportunities um, within the community that are priorities for the community and then looking at innovative ways to kind of go after that so you know, we did contribute to the government's COVID relief fund, but um, equally as important, we, we had a number of important initiatives on the ground. We were involved in building a, a women's shelter. Uh, for, for example, we've been involved in actually um, funding kind of a, a community testing um, center. And there's a, a whole host of things that we've, we've gotten involved in on the ground. Um, in relation to COVID. And then of course we have our regular kind of sustainability programming, which is ongoing. That has been ongoing through the crisis. We have not yanked funding for any of that. Um, we are in the process of, of building a community sports facility um, and associated school. We have had to delay that for obvious reasons through COVID. So that project has been delayed through this piece. But our other uh, community investment initiatives are, are going, you know, full tilt ahead. We were involved in building, for example, um, a community farm in the community of Mokovilo. This was a community um, that had uh, basically been prioritized because of an ongoing challenge with malnutrition in that community. So we, we ended up uh, financing and, and sponsoring a, a community farm which has been hugely successful. And you know, not only are we delivering produce and eggs into that community and into the local schools, the excess produce and, and, and eggs are going into the local supermarkets and creating a revenue um, income for that community as well. So we're always looking for ways to, um, to, to, to invest uh, that will diversify the economy and, and leave a lasting legacy beyond um, you know, the life of, uh, our current diamond mining operation. Well, well um, Botswana is such a wonderful example of um, of how the the diamond industry can can make an impact. Um, and uh, <clears throat> I mean, obviously, we we do these um, make these contributions because um, 
because it's the right thing to do and it's because we feel part of the community as well. Um, but do, do you feel that um, there is an added element, especially in this COVID-19 um, environment, that, um, that consumers are looking at that, um, uh, that corporate social responsibility um, activity um, in, in, uh, you know, in, the, in the products that they buy and in the companies that they're engaged with? Absolutely. I, I think that we've seen that interest kind of growing in recent years. Um, and I think COVID certainly, um, you know, created more of a lens on, on that aspect as well. And, you know, consumers want to know that they are supporting uh, responsible companies through, through their purchases, companies that care about the environment, that care about social goals and, and, and are properly governed. And, and we think that makes absolute sense. Um, and, you know, we try and, 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 you know, create as much transparency around those efforts as possible, not only in our existing mining operations, but also, you know, through our, our sales channels. And Clara is an example of that. Um, you know, our web-based uh, digital sales platform creates complete transparency on where each individual diamond is coming from, and it allows consumers, uh, you know, to buy with confidence. And again, we'll, we'll get to, to Clara because I think it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting test case for, for what's going on digitally in the, in, in the global economy, really. But um, I, I wanted to touch on the, um, the supply-demand dynamic at the moment. Um, you, know, you mentioned that you're able to um, achieve your production, your original production plan in 2020. You're still on track to, um, to achieve that. Um, uh, quite clearly sales are going to be down and so you would um, naturally build some inventory and, and we're seeing that, um, that inventory build up um, across the mining sector. There's a feeling that there's a lot of rough, there was a lot of rough um, to, begin the, to begin with um, in, in the mining sector after 2019 um, goods that they couldn't, uh, that miners couldn't sell or didn't sell. Um, and so there's going to be this build-up um, even further in 2020 um, as a result of the, 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 um, the, the, the economic slowdown. So how do you um, assess the, that supply-demand dynamic and, um, you know, moving forward? What, what's, um, how is that going to play out in 2020? Yeah, listen, I think there's a couple of, 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 of points on that. I mean, I think the way that we're looking at COVID is that it's an you know it's an interruption on uh, the recovery of the diamond market. It's not going to prevent that recovery. You know we start started to see prices strengthen at the, in the latter part of 2019, and we do think the supply demand fundamentals are are uh, actually going to improve in short order because of um, aging mines and and lack of new supply coming onto the market. I think it's also important to point out that though. You know, we've been operating through this this period. Um, many mines have not been operating. Um, you know, we have Dominion uh, tethered in in Canada, uh, Debswana, uh, you know, curtailed production. We had curtailed production out of many mines. Um, so yes, there's some inventory building, but at the same time, uh, we've we've seen. Yeah, you know, Stornoway is another example. That mine is uh, on care and maintenance right now. So um, there has been a lot of, of carrots taken out of the pipeline, and obviously De Beers and Arosa have, have uh, made you know, decisions to uh, slow their production as well. So, you know, I think that aspect is, is perhaps not going to be as important in my mind as what is demand doing? You know, are we going to see demand coming back um, strongly post-COVID? You know, what is that environment going to look like? And I think that you know we are getting some encouraging signs out of Asia. I think the U.S. is more problematic, but but certainly signs of life in Asia. I think um, and and you know we're starting to see um, sales you know starting to take place again in, in in Antwerp. So I think all of those are positive signs. Um, I think 2020 is obviously going to be a challenging year. Um, you know for us. We, we started the year uh, with a, you know, a clean balance sheet with cash on hand and no debt. And that was very helpful. It's given us a lot of flexibility. Um, you know, we made a decision um, that we are you know, going to be very prudent and just kind of watch this market and, and be opportunistic. Um, we don't have to sell diamonds right now. 
um, but we think the market is is starting to um, to pick up, and that you know there is now uh, an opportunity to sell diamonds and uh, at at reasonable prices. So that's you know why we we have um, you know we have gone forward with our second tender of the year. Uh, the tender is focused on our smaller diamonds, uh, so our our minus 10.8 population. Um, and you know we'll see how we do here. But um, what I can tell you is that we had over 120 companies signed up to come and view goods. So we we certainly took that as a positive sign. Um, interesting. And uh, I mean, th there's we are hearing these anecdotal um, reports about an improvement uh, or, or a faster than expected um, recovery in 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 China in particular. Um, and um, and as the U.S. starts to uh, to open up again, um, one one never sort of bets against the U.S. consumer. That's my my personal take on it. There, there, there's a certain resilience and culture of shopping that um, that, uh, that that is prevalent there, and that helps the industry. But um, but how long does it take for that recovery to filter through to the to the rough market? Um, you know, the, the rough market is. Um, is you know it's reliant on the on the supply on the on consumer demand, but it, it filters through from the retailers restocking to to um, de polished dealers um, finding the goods and having the goods already until they need to uh, until manufacturers need to go back into the rough market. So, is there sort of a lag that we can expect from um, within the in the recovery that the rough market would be the last to um to to respond yeah i mean i think that's a great question i mean i i, I think we need a crystal ball for that one i, I think it, it it will depend on um what happens here with with the emerging demand and and you know what is interesting i think is that you know we're starting to um hear about demand for diamonds not only for jewelry, but also for investment purposes. And uh, in a crisis like COVID, that would make sense. But certainly, uh, we're getting a lot more phone calls, as, as, as you may be aware. I mean, 70% of our revenue comes from diamonds greater than 10.8 carats in size. Um, so we're you know, heavily weighted towards the, the, the large stone market. And um, uh, yeah, we're getting a lot of inbounds now on, on you know, con consumers that are looking for high value, um, high quality, large polished um, for investment purposes rather than, than for, for straight. Mm -hmm. So I think that's interesting. Um, and you know, I, I, there's many different schools of thought on this. Some feel that it's gonna be a very much a U-shaped recovery for luxury products. Um, and you know, Diamonds I think has lagged behind other luxury products. And, and uh, you know, I think, um, that's something we really need to focus on as a as an industry is 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 how we really connect through to that you know the consumer and and focus on the demand side of it. You know the joint venture that we did on one of our diamonds with Louis Vuitton is an example of that where you know we're really trying to use the power of that brand to kind of to to help bring kind of awareness to um, our operation and to Botswana. And, and 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 natural diamonds, uh, which I think is, is is important. I think those brands have have uh, you know the potential to really uh, you know change that demand piece. It it seems that the the um, the luxury brands are um are, are initially hard hit, but they're also the 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 quickest to recover. Um, yes. And, and so um so it makes sense in a way that you you're um, you're getting uh, you're receiving or you're seeing interest in those um, large stones in the in the in the high end um, top quality uh, goods, um, which I think we we're also starting to see in 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 the polished market from 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 our point of view as well. Um, you that's know that, that um that uh, that's something that we've uh, that we've reported on, um, yeah. but uh, but overall. You know the, the the bulk of the market is um is is the commercial quality goods and and the smaller stones and and there is clearly a um a, a long road ahead in that yeah. in that sense um how, how does that affect your production plan at Karoi um you know we we understand that you you've um you've you've um uh, delayed or or put on hold the your expansion plan to to underground mining. Um, so what, what is the overall um, sort of, how does it affect um, your, your, your development of Kuroi? 
Yeah, that, that's fundamental for us. I mean, we haven't actually delayed our, our underground. What we've done is basically um, delayed our plans for 2020. So basically, that will mean that a lot of the work we had scheduled for 2020 will be pushed into 21. Um, that is going to mean that we've got pressure overall on our schedule, but we had quite a lot of um, room in that schedule to begin with. So we're, we're feeling pretty comfortable about it. Um, and, and, you know, for us, we wanted to get through the first half of this year and just see how we um, are going to do with respect to, to diamond sales. And that will in turn gauge how aggressive we want to get on our underground spend. Luckily for us, most of the work on the underground was scheduled for the fourth quarter. So we still have time right now. We've got a very scaled back plan, assuming that the, you know, the world continues to be very difficult. Um, if it uh, starts to recover quicker, then we have the ability to turn that back on and, and actually ramp up on the underground plan um, uh, pretty quickly. So, you know, our, our aim here is, is to still have the underground completely built and delivering ore to the mill by uh, the end of 2025, early 2026. So this is a, a long road ahead for us. Um, but we're very excited about the underground because it, you know, what we've really learned in the last two years, um, and even after seven years of mining at Kuroi, there's more value uh, in the ground uh, today than we've mined to date. So, you know, you've got the potential to extend this mine out to 2040, and, and that's a, a big economic um, prize for, mm. for us. Is, is that... Um, um contingent on 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 pricing um your you know your your decision on when to proceed no. it's, it's not no i you know we've, we've used extremely conservative pricing in our feasibility study already um and you know obviously we won't be delivering ore until 2026 so we're certainly yeah you know the key thing for us right now is 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 financing um, we had planned to finance all of our underground expenditures in 2020 from cash flow, and we still will fund all of our 2020 uh, expenditures from cash flow. It'll, it'll just likely be a much smaller amount than we originally budgeted, which was around $53 million. Um, but in 2021, as we start to ramp up on that spending, we will need to borrow, um, some money. And so we're in discussions with, uh, banks, um, and, and that's going to be key for us is, is putting together a financing uh, within the next uh, 12 months to, um, to assist us with that expenditure. Uh, but again, you know, we've used very conservative pricing assumptions and, and we're feeling, you know, very confident after many, many discussions with banks and lenders. We don't have any debt on our balance sheet currently. Um, so that's very helpful. And um, so we are, you know, that's our big goal here is to, to, to try and get that financing uh, squared away, um, ideally before the end of the year, but um, if not, it, you know, in 2021. Great. So raising funds is, uh, is, has been an interesting one to watch um, uh, of the mining, in the mining sector from the sidelines. Um, but I don't yes. want to go too, too, too deeply into that. I think a lot of the, the, the smaller miners that have had to put their operations on care and maintenance are, um, are, are struggling in that, in that aspect. And it's, um, and it's understandable given the, given the, given the market environment. Um, before, yes. before we go on, my, um, Ira, I, I do want to mention that we will leave um, some time for questions from, from the audience. Um, okay. so, um, so I encourage people to, um, if you have any questions for, for Ira, to, to um, please put them in the, in the Q&A um, section of the, of the Zoom app. Um, but um, I, I, I would like to now uh, look at the, move to the sales side of things. And you mentioned that, that you, you, um, you've been able to um, hold viewings in, um, in, in Antwerp. And, um, and, and Clara, um, I would imagine, has, be has become a very important um, aspect of your sales strategy, um, even more so um, today. <clears throat> now, given that the, the world has really moved so quickly um, to uh, digitized um, uh, e-commerce platforms, um, you, you kind of foresaw this, and it was, um, you know, with the, with the acquisition of Clara, and it was an unusual move. Um, for a mining company, um, you know, that, uh, that uh, you've spoken in the past about um, 
the growth uh, and, and acquisition opportunities that you, you were looking at and, um, and one naturally looks at other mines. Um, but here you looked at a, at a different sales um, strategy. So can you, can you just talk, talk a bit about Clara and how, um, how it's, um, you know, if, if, uh, if there's been, a, if it's put, put you at an advantage in this, um, in this uh, uh, COVID-19 um, environment? Sure. Um, you know, the answer is yes. I, th I think it, it, it definitely has, um, albeit with the caveat that we've had some challenges as well through this COVID piece. And I'll touch on that in just a moment. And, you know, the question around why Lucara would want to, to get involved in a, in a sales platform like Clara really relates to, um, I think, Lucara's reputation as a company that's really you know, looked to technology and and really tried to you know be innovative in, a, in our approach to um, to to our overall business. You know, we were the first diamond mining company to use XRT technology, which has been really important in and enabling us to recover our large high value diamonds without damaging them. Um, so, you know, when we when we we had the opportunity to um, to look at Clara and acquire Clara, what we you know, what we really liked about it was um, that it, it, it sort of, one, uh, you know, was focused on innovation and, and recognized that the way we sell diamonds really hasn't changed in over 100 years. And we felt that there was a huge opportunity to transform that, um, that sales um, supply chain and create a much more efficient marketplace. And that, and that was um, uh, really what, what kind of drew us to the Clara platform. The other, the other reason that we were interested in it, I mean, you know, we, we saw Lucara as a logical sponsor of the platform. You know, we are a tiny little producer and most of our value is in stones greater than 10.8 carats, which are not actually in fact uh, sold on Clara. Clara is really focused on diamonds between one and, and 10, up to 15 carats and the better colors and qualities, you know, the, the bread and butter goods of the industry, if you like. So our real aim with Clara was to commercialize and, and, and commercialize the platform and demonstrate um, that it works using diamonds from Peroe, but the whole intent was to, and is to open up Clara to the um, to other producers to to sell through this digital web-based sales platform, and I think you know it's important to remember about Clara is it's not just a digitalization of existing sales processes. You know we hear a lot about digital sales taking place, whether it be through you know Al Rosa holding digital sales, De Beers holding digital sales. Um, but Clara is not that. Um, Clara is not just taking our offerings that we would normally sell through tender and, and making them available for sale um, digitally. Uh, it is really about uh, transforming the whole supply chain from a push style sales system where we're selling our diamonds in assortments or batches into a pull style sales system where we're actually asking our customers to tell us what it is that they would like in polished, not in rough, but in polished. What is it that you want to make? And then Clara really is all about finding that perfect rough stone uh, to fulfill that specific order. And so it, it's completely unique in the spectrum of digital offerings. And it is the only uh, sales platform of its, of its kind. Um, and so obviously through COVID, you know, where travel is restricted and, and people, you know, are just unable to, to go and look at goods in person, um, the interest in, in Clara has grown tremendously. And, and in fact, you know, through this COVID period, we're, we're actually up 20% uh, on, our, on our customer base. Our challenge has been that, you know, right, you know, our big plan for 2020 was to onboard third-party production from other producers. And when COVID hit, um, two big trials that we had planned uh, were delayed. And so we are, you know, very much hoping to get those trials uh, back moving. Um, but, you know, COVID was, was pretty inopportune in that sense and that we hadn't quite gotten the ball rolling there yet. They were, it was all sort of in the planning phase. 
Um, and, and that's what we really need now to get Clara to the next level. And we have basically, um, you know, more demand now that we can fulfill uh, with diamonds from Perowi alone. So getting that third party supply on is, is what uh, the next step, you know, really requires. Yeah. And we're optimistic by the end of this year, we'll be able to do that. Well, I'm surprised in a way that um, that that you had to um, delay that um, that, that uh, incorporation of a, of third party um, suppliers. I would imagine that um, this would be very attractive for uh, for a supplier who didn't have the um, uh, who didn't have a platform to to sell um, digitally and particularly um, in in such a curated way. You know, I think that that uh, that it really um, it, it solves those two problems, um, you know, for for a, for a miner that it gives them a market and and it and it's um, in a world where where people are not looking for um, for mass supply, they're looking for very specific goods that are, are going to fulfil their their um, demand needs. Um, I I would imagine that I'm plugging your platform, but <laughs> but. Um, but I would imagine that uh, that they would be very attractive to other suppliers to to tap into. Most definitely, and 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 thank you, yes, for plugging our platform. We appreciate <laughs> that. Um, we, you know, the challenge was really around logistics, uh, quite frankly, and also with companies that, you know, when you're in the middle of a crisis and and you go to um, your respective boards and and ask them to completely change how you're selling your product. In a time of crisis, it's a it's a it's a difficult ask, and you know people tend to um, and, and the companies that we're dealing with for and I, I can't tell you who uh, were under NDA um, just were you know unable to move forward with those trials kind of as as planned, and it was really a combination of logistics and and, and you know the challenge around just just governance. But we are feeling um, you know pretty optimistic about getting those trials going here now as the world starts to open up again and as people are getting more comfortable that there there is uh, demand for diamonds but the other thing i will point out is that we continue to sell diamonds on clara through this whole crisis right. uh, we sell sales every two weeks and um you know our customers uh continue to buy and um so i, I think it's a very encouraging sign and and are excited about where this will go post COVID now that people are generally more comfortable with the idea of digital sales. Mm. And, and that's what's really important. You know, we're working very closely with uh, Serene, uh, our partners on this. We, we have an exclusive arrangement with, with them for, for a decade on Clara. And, uh, you know, this is, uh, we've been, you know, working very diligently to, to think about, you know, the next steps for Clara and where this all goes. But, um, you know, people are very focused on provenance. They're now very comfortable uh, that when, you know, they buy these, these diamonds and place their orders and those orders are fulfilled and they're delivered, that they're polishing into the polished orders they expected. Um, and then they come back and, and sort of increase their orders and the breadth of orders. So it's it's the feedback that we've been getting is is, is very positive. Right. Having been able to um, continue sales on Clara throughout this um, period, can you give us an indication of, of prices? Because that's something that we're not, um, that's kind of scarce in the market um, from our point of view is getting information about um, the level of rough prices. And is Clara a fair representation of um, of rough prices in the market? You know, I, I think Clara is is too small at this stage to be representative. Um, you know, we are we are ramping up, and we we think we're an important data point. And what I can tell you is, you know, through the you know the, the I would say the the darkest part of the crisis, because I do think we're beyond that now. By the way. Um, you know, we obviously saw some fairly deep discounts and we had to make a decision on, you know, where to kind of draw our line in the sand. Um, and, you know, what's important, I think, here is that we've come off that bottom and that in the last several sales now, we've seen strengthening prices. So we are certainly encouraged by that. And I think that that is something to be optimistic about. Okay, um, I want to ask one more question before we open it um, to, to the Q&A from the, from the audience. Um, and that is, uh, yeah, I think it was in February that, that um, you recovered a, a 549 carat um, 
uh, stone from um, from Karoi. Um, and at the time you um, you withheld it from sales within the first quarter. Um, what what are your plans for that um, for that uh, for that diamond? Um, is this an opportune time to to put it on the market? Is it on the market? Um, are you looking for partnerships um, like the LVMH um, uh, deal that you that you that you have? Yeah, it, it's not on the market. Um, I think what we've been trying to really message um, over the last couple of years when we do kind of our forecasting um, of revenues for the year, all of those large exceptional diamonds are excluded. So, you know, we know they're there. We just don't know exactly when we're going to recover them. So we, we are not reliant on that 549. Um, obviously, in a time of crisis where we're having difficulty selling st stones, um, that does represent a, a significant opportunity for us. But um, it's such a special stone. We actually think this could be the, the, the nicest quality stone we've ever recovered at Kuroi, um, in, in just in terms of its purity. Um, we're not in a rush to do anything with that diamond. Um, and uh, yes, it's possible we would you know, consider uh, a partnership, but, but uh, you know, we, we are not in a, you know, at a, at a point where we need or want to make a decision on it. We don't feel it's, it's uh, the right time uh, to, to maximize the value of that, that diamond by putting it up for sale today. Um, but we will be um, certainly exploring different uh, potential opportunities for it in the coming months. Right. Well, as, as a journalist, um, I, I get excited about um, these big numbers and the, the large carrot size that um, Karoi has been able to, to produce, you know, the, uh, the Lissetti, of course, the Constellation Diamond at um, <clears throat> the Lissetti uh, Lorona at, at 1,100 one, one um, carats. I can't even think that high. Um, the Constellation at 800. Do you, th do you think Karoi has... A, a bigger diamond in its uh, in, in its um, in its stomach. Yes. yes, yes, I do. You know, I we broke the Lucetti. We know that was part of a bigger stone, um, and and so uh, that led to us actually upgrading our our mill to recover even bigger stones, and we we call that recovery circuit the mega diamond recovery circuit. Um, and the, the 549 actually came through that circuit, but we have the potential to recover a diamond as large as 5,000 carats. Um, and, you know, I don't know what, uh, what, what or when, but I, but I certainly believe that we will, um, we will surpass uh, our record right now, which is 1,758 carats. That was the solo. Um, and you know, it's the only diamond mine in history to have produced two plus 1000 carat diamonds. So I, I do think that that's, um, that's, you know, uh, not only possible, I think it, it will happen eventually. Keep in mind that these, these, all of these big diamonds, including the recent 549 come out of one geological unit we call the EMPKS and, uh, which is a complicated acronym, um, that we need a new name for, but anyway, um, and this particular geological unit um, dominates the underground mine plan. So, you know, right now uh, it, it, it accounts for a relatively small volume in our open pit. But as you know, when you get down to 800 meters below surface, almost 80% of the kimberlite is EMPKS. So we have uh, a lot more of that material to mine uh, in the underground. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that acronym in mind. It, uh, yeah. as, as we move forward, and I look forward to that um, 5,000 carat headline. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's take some some questions. Um, the first one is um, is ca can we expect corrections in prices of rough um, of rough diamonds? Uh, from from where? From now? Do you, do you, do you mean uh, like? corrections upward. I mean, we certainly anecdotally know, I mean, there's been very few cells held, so there's very few data points to refer to, but obviously some producers um, uh, sold diamonds at, at deep discounts through this crisis. And, and our expectation is that, um, you know, already that's, that's starting to, uh, to rebound. And I think Antwerp opening up, demand in Asia will, will, will certainly help. Um, okay. Um, the, this uh, other question is: um, 
is um, g given your strong background in um, diamond exploration in, and production in Canada, and I, I think we, we, we haven't mentioned how, how extensive a background you, you have. Um, you were previ previous to, to Lakara, you were involved with um, uh, Stornoway's Renard mine. You've had, um, you, you know, you're, you're, uh, you, you have a, 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 um, a, an exciting story to tell, I would imagine, about the Akati mine. And, um, and so given that background, what are your main challenges to operate a mine in Botswana? Is there, is there a difference that, you, um, that you're experiencing in, um, in, uh, in, your, with your, in the Canadian um, mining fraternity and the Botswana one? Yeah, listen, I, I think in some ways Canada is as tough as it gets. Um, these mines are extremely remote. You know, we're dealing with an Arctic environment. Um, they're accessible only four months of the year, you know, via an ice road. Um, so, you know, Canada certainly has, you know, a number of, of challenges. You know, Botswana, by contrast, um, you know, certainly we're dealing with, with, with much nicer weather, uh, but, you know, our mines are, are road accessible. Um, and, you know, one of the great things about working in Botswana is that um, you have access to, um, you know, educated, experienced um, engineers and miners, and, and that's, that's a huge, huge help on where we, over where we started in, in Canada and remote communities where we had to train people um, that really had no experience uh, in diamond mining. So, uh, you know, in Botswana, 98% of our workforce is, is Botswanan. In fact, our mine is, is um, run by um, the first ever uh, female uh, CEO of a diamond mining company in, in Botswana, Nassim Lari. She's born and bred in Botswana, educated in Botswana. Our general manager, Joe Machibe, is also uh, born and educated in, in, in Botswana. So there's a, an awful lot of talent. And I would say working in Botswana has been, uh, in some ways, a real uh, dream um, compared to the challenges of, of, of working in the Arctic. I would say, you know, our, our biggest challenge in Botswana really relates to um, you know, around, you know, power reliability, that can be a bit of a, a challenge in Botswana. Um, uh, but otherwise, it's, um, yeah, it's been a very positive experience. Mm. Um, I, 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 there was a story, I, think, I, I, I don't know if it was Mining Weekly or, or Reuters that um, had a profile on, on, the, um, on the head of the mining operation at Karoi. I mean, and that's certainly a story I, I would, um, I would, uh, encourage you to get out. It's a, it's a very good, um, um, nice um, story that I think consumers would be interested to 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 learn about. Um, yeah, well, sorry to interrupt you, but one thing I would certainly encourage if 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 um, any of your the, the listeners um, have not seen, we were involved in uh, with De Beers and the the Diamond Producers Association, now the Natural Diamond Council, we were involved in, in putting together a little movie on Botswana diamonds uh, that was done independently through a group called EcoAge. Um, and it really tells the story of, of diamonds in Botswana and, and what it sort of meant to the country. And I, I think it's a great sort of 10 minute kind of overview. If you haven't seen it, I would encourage everyone to, to look for that on our website or the Natural Diamond Council uh, website. Um, and on our website, I think we, we did cover that. Um, we did cover that uh, that story, and was uh, was a great uh, a great little um, easy to watch documentary um, featuring none other than yourself. <laughs> um, so uh, we have another question um, that uh, um, regarding the the Argyle mine. What, what what is your perception of the impact on the market that the closure of Argyle will have by the end of the year? Well, I think it will have a, a significant impact. I mean, Argyle um, represents, you know, 10% of global production by volume, uh, if not value. So, you know, we had seen some, some fairly serious headwinds um, on the market for rough diamonds over the last few years because, you know, of the um, large volume of small diamonds that came onto the market um, through new mines in Canada, particularly both Renard and, and Gachakwe. And I don't think any of us really foresaw 
how that would impact the, 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 the price of small diamonds. Um, and I think Argyle kind of uh, going out of production will, will certainly be a big benefit to, uh, to those producers that um, have a production profile, which is, which is largely focused on those smaller goods. Does that include um, Ricara? Um, are, are you within that range on your, on your smaller commercial goods? We definitely are, um, but uh, but again, seventy percent of our revenue comes from diamonds greater than ten point eight. So we're 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 less impacted by um, you know Argyle closing in 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 that sense. Um, but we think it's going to be good for the overall market, and, and certainly um, you know that's that's good for all of us. Okay, um, as you go uh, go underground. Um, will you be employing more people? Does it? Yeah. Listen, the the underground operation is is likely to employ fewer people than 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 more people. Um, but we're now extending the mine life from 2026 to 2040. So obviously, um, those jobs will be important jobs, and will continue to to generate significant taxes um, for the government. And uh, so we, we see that as, as very positive. A lot of people are asking about prices. So I'm going to be their voice. Um, uh, the, this, <laughs> this question is, what, what, what do you estimate the average run of mine price per carat will be over the next 12 months? Uh, that, I mean, listen. That's a. That, 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 I, I wish I knew. That is. That is the reason that we have have basically uh, we we rescinded our guidance in the first quarter because it is really uncertain. I, you know, I think we we remain hopeful that the latter part of the year we will see you know prices recover or rebound to to the point where you know, we can reinstate outlook and, and, you know, are we going to get back to where we began the year? I, it, it's, it's less certain. I think for, as Lucara, you know, as prudent kind of uh, managers of, of a small business, we are anticipating that, you know, 20 and 21 will be, um, uh, you know, will be, be tougher years. Um, but we are hopeful that we will see a rebound in prices in the latter part of the year that can be then sustained or grown in, in 2021. So I'm not going to put, you know, a dollar per carat uh, value out there at, at this stage. Um, but we'll know more and we will be certainly, um, you know, informing all of our stakeholders and shareholders at our next quarterly update on on how we've done through um, this latest tender you know we'll have a lot more insight at that point and we'll also be talking uh, more about um, uh, about our, our run of mine production and particularly our large stones you know we are looking for ways and means to maximize value um, you know as, as, as our chairman Lucas Lundin likes to say never let a big crisis go to waste and so we've you know we've been really um, thinking hard and exploring ways and means to um, ensure that we can we, we, we can you know not only get through this but come out the other end right um, the I mean to, to, to what extent do, do, do you look at the at prices in the polished market um, and and the uh, you know in terms of well I guess I, I get I guess you know if you're selling by tender that it's really the market that's setting the price. Um, yes. That, um, but uh, do you foresee some profitability coming back to the manufacturing sector? Wow. Um, well, we certainly hope so. I think uh, obviously, you know, we want to see a healthy, a healthy pipeline here, um, and that means that you know I think we've all got to work together to uh, ensure that you know we've we've got a product that is it, that is desirable and and that consumers you know want to purchase. And um, I do think that, uh, you know, we, we're in a world where, where change is inevitable. I think we're going to see more attrition. I think there's going to be a focus on, you know, businesses that are more resilient, that do have access to capital, um, that do have, you know, markets that they distributed to that are, you know, that are active and, and, and resilient. So, you know, is, is, you know, what is that going to mean for the manufacturing sector overall? Is it going to look exactly the same as it did prior to COVID? Probably not. 
um, you know, nor is nor is is the mining side of things going to look exactly the same either. We've had a lot of companies that have gone through, you know, a lot of distress, and um, you know, there's access to capital is is challenging. So um, I don't think it's it's going to look exactly the same. But it, uh, I think if we you know work together through the supply chain. Um, you know, yes, profitability um, should should come back into you know all aspects of that that value chain. Hmm. I, I certainly hope so. Um, just to to change direction a little bit, um, we have a, uh, have a, a question here that um, that says you, you've had such an exceptional career in mining, a sector which is particularly dominated by men. Um, what advice would you give to young women geologists today who would like to pursue a career in diamond mining? Wow. Well, listen, I, I would always encourage young female geologists to, to consider a career in, in mining. I think there's so many opportunities in, in mining for, for young women um, in all aspects of the business, um, whether you're a geologist or an accountant or a lawyer. I think for diamonds, um, it's such a small segment of the overall mining industry. It's it's very very specialized. It is it is certainly more challenging. There's very few diamond mines around the world, um, and so you know it is kind of a specialist business. But if it's something that you're passionate about, then absolutely pursue it. And um, you know I am hopeful that we are going to see uh, more money coming kind of flowing back into the exploration space. It's been a part of our, our, um, our industry that's really suffered and not only through COVID, but in, in you know, the several years leading up to COVID, we, we just saw a real lack of, of appetite in the in investment circles for funding diamond exploration. And that's um, the reason we haven't had any, you know, major world-class discoveries in, in in many, many years. So I am hopeful that we will see some money start to flow back into that space. And I think, you know, as diamond prices recover, and I believe they will, I believe that the supply demand fundamentals that we're seeing play out with the closure of Argyle, with the maturing mines uh, in Canada, and, you know, that's, that's all going to, uh, I think, uh, lead to lower supply and, and, and better pricing and that in turn hopefully will encourage uh, investment in the exploration sector again and hopefully lead to more jobs for, for young geologists. You know, on, on that um, exploration point, has the, has the threshold to, um, to decide to go ahead with, um, with developing a mine um, been raised? You know, is there, um, if you consider the, the cost per carat, um, that that, uh, that that the mine might um, require, given the firstly given the um, the the uh, the supply demand dynamic in the in the industry over the last few years, and and the level of pricing of polished pricing that um, that has um, declined essentially, but also then in in view of the um, COVID nineteen environment, um, that has that decision making on uh, on to develop a mine um, has it changed? You know, I think a, 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 what a, a lot of people maybe don't appreciate is just how challenging is it is to to find a diamond mine and how rare they are. Um, I think we all appreciate that diamonds are rare, but 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 actually finding an economic deposit is is incredibly challenging and it requires a lot of capital, a lot more capital than you would need to invest, for example, to find a gold mine. Um, and, and I think that risk capital and that appetite is just, you know, is just very, uh, low right now. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, yes, it's, it's, you know, in terms of it, making a decision to develop a mine, I think that the, the challenge is that many of these deposits will require, you know, hundreds of dollars of investment before you even know if you've got an economic deposit. And, and that's the, the challenging um, piece to finance. Um, you know, that, that threshold can be in places like Botswana where, you know, the logistics are, are, are easier. Uh, we have, for example, um, a very small um, but important exploration program that's ongoing with a partner out of South Africa 
um, who also um, has a, an office in Botswana, and, and it's a new technology again. Lucara you know, is always looking for opportunities on the technology side, and and this is um, a joint venture where we're actually flying um, an unmanned aircraft. It's like a small drone. Um, flying airborne magnetic surveys, and then we have a portable drill on the ground that is, is you know, basically this data is being processed uh, very efficiently in real time, and then we've got a drill kind of following along and testing targets. So we, we, we do have um, some exploration uh, ongoing in Botswana right now, and it's very cost effective. It would be impossible to do the same thing in, in Canada. Um, again, you just wouldn't have uh, the same road infrastructure to kind of make that uh, make that possible but um, you know and that and that's what we have to you know really I think hope for and, and rely on is innovation and new technology that can really make the whole exploration process more efficient so I am I am hopeful in, in that respect that um, we will continue to have new opportunities um, on the exploration side um. That's interesting, the, and, and certainly looking at it from a from an innovation and technology um, perspective is uh, it makes it makes a lot of sense. And one would expect that um, that there is a lot of innovation in that space um, that's applied both to the diamond mining sector and other mining um, industries as well. Um, no, just uh, and uh, coming out of this um, the, this uh, COVID environment, or, or as we're in it. Um, you know, another another um, aspect that people sort of expect from the mining sector is that there would be um, uh, joint, more joint ventures, maybe more um, more mergers and acquisitions, um, particularly with uh, with a number of mine mines that are are struggling at the moment, um, single asset companies that uh, in particular. Um, so is that something you expect will, will come to fruition, that there'll be some sort of mer merger activity that we've been speaking about for so long um, in, the, in the mining sector? Um, and, is, uh, and then the next question is if, is, is if um, Likara is, is looking at that um, space. Yeah, listen, I, I, I think this is the time uh, to consolidate. And, and I, I, I think um, M&A is something that Lucar has always been interested in. Um, you know, M&A is also incredibly difficult to do. Um, people and personalities, there's very few assets out there. This is not a big space. Timing is important. Um, you know, for us, we've been really focused on looking for the right asset that would be complementary to Kuroi. Um, we've been very focused on protecting our balance sheet and not wanting to take on, you know, too much debt so that we could, you know, stay nimble and stay flexible. Um, so we continue to look um, and, and, we, and, 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 and we do think um, that it should happen and that a crisis like this, you know, should make that easier. Um, at the same time, you know, everyone's, you know, very focused on, on, you know, managing their own businesses and protecting their own balance sheets. And, and you know, we do have a number of companies in the space that are struggling right now because they are uh, burdened with, um, with debt and it's difficult to service that debt when you, when you don't have any certainty on cash flow. So it is, it is a very challenging period, particularly for some of the smaller producers. And um, I, I think we do need to see, you know, a bit more of a, an outlook. We need to see the market kind of opening up and, and just to give some, some sense of, of uh, you know, direction here uh, for the latter part of the year. But, um, you know, we, we, we certainly continue to, to, to look at that space very closely and, and look for, for opportunities. Mm. Um, an, an asset that would complement um, Kuroi, would that be um, in terms of geographical location or product um, or, or product uh, um, uh, or, pro or product? Well, in, in, in all aspects, really. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there's so few assets out there that we, you know, we've, we've tried to be very open minded in how we how we how we look at things. Um, but but certainly. Um, you know, something that it's really about managing, managing risk and, and understanding, you know, the potential upside there as well. So we're, we're not, we're not too prescriptive. 
Um, but at the same time, obviously, there's jurisdictions that we're, we're more comfortable with. Uh, Botswana, we love. We'd love to have another asset in Botswana. We also are really comfortable with Canada. Um, obviously, we're a Canadian company, and we all started our careers in Canada. So uh, that's another um, area that we've, we've you know, spent a, a good chunk of time kind of exploring. But, um, yeah. There certainly seem to be some opportunities um, for acquisition in Canada, but we'll we'll we'll, we'll leave it at that. We'll, um, um, before we close, I'll, I'll just ask uh, one more question. We, we've had a number of uh, of questions in the in the um, Q and A section. A number of them I didn't um, take because I think you have covered a lot of the the topics that that were brought up, and um, particularly. Um, yeah, so um, so I think it's appropriate just to um, to close with uh, maybe if you have a message to the industry um, that uh, that we can take with us uh, moving forward as 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 we um, develop out of this um, this COVID nineteen experience. Listen, I, I I think we've got to stay focused on the long game. I think you know we can all agree. I hope that. Um, the outlook for this business, I think, remains uh, very positive, and we're we're living through a very difficult period. I think it 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 means that we have to reflect on on our existing businesses and 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 look for ways and means to to be more efficient, um, maybe to think out of the box a little bit in how we approach our businesses, and that's certainly what we're trying to do, uh, what we've tried to do. And we'll continue to do with um, not only our mind, but you know our digital uh, sales platform, Clara. And I think it's 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 really important that we all work together. We're all part of uh, a single uh, a single industry, um, and we we're all participating in different aspects of that supply chain. But in order for us to be successful, we all need to be successful, and and make sure that we have businesses that are sort of thriving through it that supply chain. So. With that, I'd, I'd just like to really thank you for the opportunity today, and um, I hope everyone uh, stays uh, well and, and healthy, and we look forward to, to brighter days ahead. Absolutely, and um, thank you so much for, for joining us and, and being so open with your, with your answers and, and, and an update on, on Lucar. It's, um, it's greatly appreciated, um, so thank you so much. And uh, thanks everyone for, for joining us. Um, we do have one more um, installment of the, uh, of the um, recovery webinar series, which will be next week. Um, we'll be interviewing um, Kent Wong, who is the CEO of Chao Tai Fook. Um, so that should be an interesting discussion about what's happening in China and Hong Kong. And, uh, and um, we look forward to you joining us then. But for now, stay safe, everyone. And uh, we look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you, Ira. Thank you. Bye -bye. Bye -bye.